and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Where do you understand that things are at right now with the TV negotiations? Do you know anything about like where that's at or, you know, when that might get done, who's going to be in the mix outside of just ESPN and Turner? Like what, like what, what's, what's going on with that right now? I don't think there's much there yet. You know, I, I'll have something, I'm planning to write something on it in the next week or so or whatever, but um, I think it's still early days on those things. They just got through the CBA. So now I think the NBA is going to move on to, um, the TV deal stuff, right? They have to, it's, it's almost sequential, finish the CBA, then you're trying to get to uh, the TV rights and move on from there. And so I don't think we'll see anything really heat up until 2024, I would imagine, or somewhere around the end of 2023, somewhere around there. And yeah, and we, we, but we still think that, do we, like, do you think ESPN and Turner are both going to stay in the mix or are both going to stay in the, you know, in business with the NBA? Because you, you hear all these, like, like there's all these like rumors, like 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 the CEO of Turner or of Turner Sports said, like, oh, we don't need the NBA right after they signed Shaq and Charles Barkley and all the inside guys to ten year extensions. So I don't know how much I buy that. You know, ESPN is cutting costs across the board. Like, uh, how much do you like? Do you do you, would you expect just predicting it and based on what you know? Do you think that both ESPN and Turner are going to be involved in the next TV deal? I think ESPN will. Um, I think Turner maybe more limited capacity i don't know it's hard to figure out you know i think those deals for uh for the inside the nba guys didn't they have three-year outs too just in case something happened where they uh they didn't retain the rights uh you know more about that than i would i believe i believe that was a report that was out there um but yeah i think espn will i think they're just like a vital league part partner and obviously um that provides a level of visibility that turner doesn't and can't match just because of their business right uh i'm curious to see where all the bidders will be i mean some of it's just public posturing at this point right um but you know having listened to or read through a number of transcripts for the warner brothers discovery um media calls and all all their stuff like they have been serious about trying to throttle costs um you know they're they had a lot of costs uh and debt that they ate up once the merger happened and so I think they're trying to work through that. And so I think there's just maybe less appetite, it seems like, from everything that they've said for going in on like a super premium, very expensive type of package. But um, we'll see what it all works out, right? We still have, uh, what, a year and a half until uh, the new the new deal kicks in. And um, it'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what the final package looks like and how we're all going to have to watch the NBA in a year and a half. And that's would be, you know, if, if Turner decides to not completely cut their ties, but scale back on it, like maybe only have the Thursday package and not also have the Tuesday and maybe they have a little bit of a lesser playoff package. That would be where one of these streaming partners, whether it's Apple or Amazon or Hulu or whatever the case may be, that's where one of these other ones comes in, right? Probably to, uh, to, you know, recoup some of that money if you're the league like maybe you know you take a little bit of less of a package from turner but then 
you know, Amazon, the Amazon midseason tournament, and then Amazon gets one game a week like they do with Thursday Night Football now, or, you know, Apple does with the, with their baseball broadcast. I also wonder if, the, you know, th- there was all this publicity earlier in the, uh, like at the beginning of the season that the NBA completely cut the price in half for the League Pass subscription. And immediately alarm bells kind of went off in my head about that being they want to get the total number of League Pass subscribers up so that then they can go to Apple or Amazon or whoever and say, hey, we have this number of subscribers. You should give us this much money. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But I I think probably, like, what they're trying to do, I think maybe it was less about um, doing that. I think it was more so kind of creating a place in the NBA watching ecosystem for the NBA ID app too, right? Uh-huh. That rolled out in uh, what was it, September or October. And that's a thing that the NBA is really trying to make happen as like a home for uh, its digital content and its digital video that I think you can watch games through there and highlights and all that type of yeah. stuff. And I think they're just trying to put those things to work in tandem with one another. I, like I doubt we'll see like an NBA thing, uh, NBA version of what the MLS did, right? Going all in on Apple TV. Um, and I think like whatever, whatever the NBA does with the next media rights deal, I don't think they're wedded to just like maintaining the same type of um, windows, TV windows that they have now. I, I think they'll probably try to get creative in terms of who they can pull in and also um, what opportunities those new partners would have. I don't see Turner getting completely out of the business of being in business with the NBA, if, if only because Turner runs NBA TV. Like, they would have to find a new provider for that. Like, I've, I've been to the studio. The, the NBA TV studio where they do, like, they, like, their studio show is right next to the studio where they film inside for TNT. So, like, at the very minimum, like, I'm sure they are going to have this, like, an arrangement, even if, even if Turner pulls out of, like, having as much stuff on TNT and having as much of the marquee stuff, they're going to have to either sell off NBA TV and sell off like that studio and all that space. And all the, you know, physical logistical stuff with that, or they're going to have to at least continue running NBA TV. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not like, I want to be clear. I'm not like predicting that Turner gets out of it or anything like that. Right. You know, they could still, you know, I I don't know. We'll see what it all looks like. I'm just saying, um, I'm curious to see what the the new package will be starting in 2025 and just how everything is allocated. And so I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if there's less potentially like less Turner or something like that. How do you think all the RSN stuff is going to end up playing out for the NBA with Bally's declaring bankruptcy? You're seeing a lot of like, you know, talk about how that's going to work in baseball. I think, you know, the idea is that this is all happening like within the last month and there's so little left in the season that they're not really worried about it right now. But let's say that Bally's and Diamond Sports is not doing better financially by the fall when next season starts and they have 82 games per team to broadcast for like half the teams in the league. Like h- how do you see the whole RSN thing shaking out long-term? Yeah, that's a mess. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to predict at this point. I mean, right now, like the NBA seems pretty confident that they'll still get their payments. Um, from diamond obviously like you said like the end of this year's there's not much left i, I think um local tv also gets first uh, first round coverage too if those teams make um the playoffs and so i think they've been obviously in negotiations with diamond about um 
not only the payments owed to them this year, but any potential renegotiations and, uh, you know, ways to, so that all the teams can still get payments from Diamond going forward. Um, it's in bankruptcy court now. Uh, you know, there is the chance that this all kind of gets derailed and that uh, I'm not an expert on bankruptcy court yet. And hopefully I'll get there one day, but you know, you have to almost structure who gets paid out when and in what order and all these types of things and renegotiate um, contracts potentially so that the con uh, the company can become solvent and, and all these types of things. But I think the NBA is trying to also prepare for a post RSN future, um, you know, dependent, almost independent of uh, whether and how the diamond thing works out. And so I think that more teams will try to get some kind of, streaming option in market you saw that already in at least here in new york where i am you see msg plus and yes networks um direct to consumer products all get launched recently clippers uh, too. so the clippers obviously in la um you know aside from even the rsn's that are having financial issues right there's also just a bunch of markets where it's really hard to watch your team on tv period right um at least in new york like msg was on comcast for the last two seasons uh in denver you know, I think a majority of the market has been unable to watch the Nuggets for four seasons now. That's crazy. Um, Here in so Portland, it's an issue too. Uh, I mean, yeah. But since they since they're they're in year two of this root sports deal, where you can get it on Comcast, you can get it on Directv, you can get it on Dish. I think they just added Spectrum. I saw a tweet about that the other day. So for cable, if you have cable, you can you can still get it pretty much. But for you know more and more people are cutting cable and the only as of right now the only streaming platform that root is on is fubo like if you have youtube tv or you have hulu or you have one of the other major streaming platforms and this is something that the blazers have nothing to do with because they don't own root sports they basically just license their games out to root sports and root does whatever deals they do with whatever providers they do it with but here's another wrinkle that i just Thought, like I had thought about this before, but it just popped into my head while we were talking about this. This is, it seems like as much as like Adam Silver has talked in the past about like, we're not completely wedded to an 82 game season. And, you know, that's been talked about as like, maybe you cut a num the number of games, you cut it from either maybe like 82 to 72 or 82 to 70 to either like make the regular season quote unquote matter more or reduce back to backs or reduce load management or any of that. And the pushback has always been, Players don't want to give up game checks. Owners don't want to give up gate receipts. I wonder if if there's really going to be a post-RSN world in five to ten years, if that model is going away. It seems to me, and you would know more about this than I would. You've studied this more than I have. But it seems to me like a lot of why they are still on that 82-game season is because their contracts with these RSNs and these local TV providers require them to deliver a certain number of games. I remember during COVID when they were negotiating the bubble and whether they were going to go straight to the playoffs or to have like the seeding games, there was a number of games that every team needed to get to in the regular season in order to satisfy the RSN requirements. I wonder if, if RSNs go away and that part of like, we have to have this much inventory of games. I wonder if, if that, if that were to happen, that's would make it more of a feasible thing for the league to, actually change what the schedule looks like and cut the number of games if there's not also like we have to deliver this many games to the local tv networks and if that wasn't like a factor to consider well i mean like they also have to deliver games to you know their national partners right. over the course of a year too right so that would be fewer games that they can deliver there 
um, fewer games that you could potentially deliver to a streamer. That's fewer gates, right? That are right. those are also pretty still valuable. Um, and I, I think if RSNs go down, e- you know, even if the contracts get renegotiated, like I, I think the future is that you're just going to be making less proportionally from your RSNs than you do from your national media rights from marketing sponsorships with sports books uh from all of these places that maybe just the importance of the rsns is dwindling already so if they really needed to find a way or wanted to get down to um let's say 72 games like i don't think the rsns would be the reason to do it i you've heard adam silver kind of talk about it in the last few years too about fiddling around with the length of the season but when he did it he talked about it in context of from my i think if i remember correctly from in context of um, how it would help their national TV media rights, less so than any concern about how it impacts their RSN contract and, and all that type of stuff. And so I, I don't think that would be a reason to, um, if they needed to, like shorten the season. I, I think there's a lot of things that go into play for that. One more thing I want to hit on before I, we get out of here is uh, this is something that you and I talked about the last time you were on with me and what, September, October, whenever that was. And then also, you know, something you've done a lot of reporting on at The Athletic is the WNBA expansion. And Portland obviously is very much, from what I understand, still in the mix. They had this big event here locally a couple months ago that I covered where Senator Wyden brought Kathy Engelbert into town and a bunch of Blazers and Thorns executives basically gave her the sell on why Portland should get a team. As far as I know, they're still very much in the mix, but we don't, we still don't really have a hard timeline on when that's going to happen or, you know, which teams are in which position to get it. Like, what do you, what do you, this is something you've covered extensively and I'm sure something you're still tracking. Like, what, what do you know about that right now? Yeah, I think the W is still looking, right? Um, I, I haven't heard anything. Uh, stronger definitive in the last few months I've gotten derailed <laughs> admittedly by like CBA stuff and right. some other things um, yeah I think Portland has a has a good chance for sure and you know I think it's a question of how many teams and a question of when um, you know I know W I think probably wants to increase its schedule too they have a season high of 40 games uh, I think for the 2023 season and I wouldn't be surprised if they try to keep increasing that um, you know Nearby, you know, the Seattle Storm just went for $151 million valuation. Um, they announced, I think it was in February, right? Like, that's a super high for a WNBA team. And, and I, I wonder how much of that can help publicly reset the market. I think that's a big thing for the W, too, is they want to reset franchise values. Um, and I think that goes into its, its expansion process, is that when they do have these new teams, um, that they come at come in at the right number. Uh, they want to make sure that W teams are valued more than they have been in the past few years. Uh, I think there's a reason why when you've had um, WNBA team sales over the last like half decade, you haven't heard a number attached to it, right? It's not like the same thing as the NBA where the Suns sell for $4 billion and there's a press release saying the Suns have sold at a valuation of $4 billion. Uh, it's completely different and much more opaque in the W. And so I, I think that's kind of where they're at. They're trying to change the, you know, almost the financial ecosystem of the entire league, change the valuations of WNBA teams, and, along with trying to figure out which cities should get it. And so um, I, I'm, look, I'm very curious, like, where it all ends up. I think Portland makes a, is a great candidate for a city. And, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. You know, the Kathy Engelbert told um, me and Chantel Jennings, 
back, I think it was last June that she, she thought um, they would have a team named or, you know, one or two teams, expansion teams named by the end of the season, if not the end of 2022. And here we are. And, we don't, as far as the NBA goes, we, we think order of operations. They got the CBA done. They get the TV deal done by 25. And then we think 26 or 27 is when they look at Seattle and Vegas as the next teams. Is that kind of where that's at still? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the timeline on all that. Like the, the actual timeline, you're right in that, like they, you know, have said CBA, media rights, and then they'll move on to talking about expansion. I don't know what years that would be. I don't know what years they are eyeing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I think for sure uh, Vegas and, uh, and and Seattle look like the prohibitive favorites, but, um, you know. They're really pushing this be... Mexico City thing. <laughs> no, I think the reason why is, and like, I forget who I was talking to, but one interesting thing is when you consider if you're moving to streaming and you're trying to sell stream yourself as a streaming product, right, that opens you up from a media rights perspective, uh, from just having to think nationally, right? If you have an international audience that you can now serve, that does make you more valuable to a streaming to a streamer, right? Like ESPN and TNT uh, are just American TV channels, right? That's where their money comes from. But if you're going to a streamer, they have the entire world as a potential audience, and that could be the value of an international city like Mexico City to the NBA. And you know that would be a big check mark in, in their column, I think, um, for you know why they would deserve a team. Now, I'm not saying that's like happening at all. But I'm just saying, like, I understand the argument for Mexico City or for any other potential, like, uh, expansion to, to outside of America. You, I mean, have to makes- consider, you have to consider the, the global product now, especially if you're going to be um, no longer just, you know, set on linear television as your primary dispensation for your product. You have to consider what's going to work best for you and can bring in more fans, sell more products uh, internationally, too. Do we know the valuation yet for the Hornets, the, state, the majority stake that Michael Jordan is selling? Do we know the number on that yet? No, I don't yet. Okay. If you do, let me know. No, I don't. I don't because I've, 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 I've been tracking that very closely. Obviously, the Suns going for four completely reset the market in the same way that when the Clippers went for two in 2014, that was like a, that like blew everybody out of the water at the time when Steve Ballmer paid that. Obviously, I'm tracking this stuff now because I think Charlotte is a little bit closer to Portland as far as, like, what their price might be versus what the Blazers' price is ultimately going to be whenever the Vulcans end up deciding to sell. So that's something I'm tracking. I, part of me feels like, and I don't, I don't know anything concrete about when the Blazers' sale is going to happen. I think there's actually a chance it happens this year, but that's just based on, you know, secondhand stuff that I've heard. That's not, like, hard reporting or anything, but... It seems like the thing everybody was waiting on was for the Suns to reset the market and go for whatever they went for after the whole Robert Sarver, you know, scandal happened. And now that they set the market at four, then I think some of these other teams like the Blazers and the Hornets that are maybe smaller market teams might come in closer to three or a little over three. And that's going to be the number now. Is that kind of the sense you've gotten is that three, like, like, like. The Jazz and the Timberwolves went for like 1.5, 1.6 each. Do you think two is kind of the baseline now that the Suns have go- gone for four? Well, I don't know if it's a baseline. I mean, part of it too is, you know, minority shares being sold, sold versus uh, majority shares being sold. You know, we saw like the, the Bucks. Uh, we saw Mark Lazary sell his share of the team, right? 
uh, to Jimmy Haslam. And I think that was reported as $3.5 billion valuation. That's a pretty big number for a team like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. right? Like Phoenix is in a, what, I think the eighth largest market in the U.S. Milwaukee is obviously much, much smaller. And, and that percentage stake is, I think I had heard that Mark Lazare has roughly like 25 to 30%. Um, so that's even a smaller share without perhaps the guaranteed control um that matt ishbia got so i i don't know that uh that there's like a baseline to these things now they're all kind of market dependent too mm-hmm. um you know how far away you are from like a new york city or in la or san francisco or miami or something like that um you know what real estate is attached to your team that you know the, the franchise owns all that stuff goes into play for how much like these teams go for it, you know it's more than just i think like okay team plus city it's also team plus city plus um do you own your building do you own the land around your building right right like, portland is kind of in an in, in between space there because the blazers own the moda center the actual arena itself but they don't own the memorial coliseum which is right next door or the parking lots around the arena that stuff is still owned by the city but the just the arena itself the blazers do own so that I would think would drive up the price a little bit. Whereas with the Suns, the Suns went for four billion for just the Suns and the Mercury. They don't. The, the city of Phoenix, I believe, owns the arena. Yeah, I think the footprint center is owned by by the city. You're right. Yeah, and so, I mean, it, I'm curious. We'll we'll see. Like, I'm still trying to figure out. You know, like you said, what the Hornets went for. Um, I think that was something that had been out there for a while in terms of Michael Jordan's interest in selling it if he could. And so you have three sales um, this past season of NBA teams, right? Um, and it's a lot for one year. And with so it's probably not a coincidence. Yeah, with the Bucs. Do probably we know what they went for yet? I, I believe it was reported as $3.5 billion as the valuation. Okay. Um, so, you know, I don't know if, I don't know yet if that includes whenever that gets approved, taking over um, Mark Lazarus control of the team for the remaining time he has. Uh, I think it's contractually like stated that him and Wes Eden split control every five years, right? Um, so it'll be very curious. I, I don't know what a team like the Blazers would go for. Part of that is just market conditions too. Um, they have to keep finding really, really, really rich guys who want to buy teams. Um, and they, you know, the NBA keeps finding avenues to allow people in to buy minority shares as well. Well, the Blazers have a buyer. It's just a matter of, I mean, there's at least one that we know of who's got the money and has the juice to do it. It's just a matter of when that uh, that happens. Yeah, that, yeah. Two, that, that, that $2 billion offer it seemed like a way to jump, you know, the, the bidding, but also it seemed like a low ball offer. To That's me. way low. Um, no, I think, I think that, I don't think that was a serious offer. I think that was just a. Uh, putting it out there publicly that Phil Knight wants to buy the Blazers. I think the eventual number is going to probably be like three or 3.2 or something like that. I don't know. I haven't done my, I haven't done my cap tables yet. My PNLs on the Blazers. Yeah. We'll, we'll see Mike. This was, this was really great. This was really, uh, I learned a lot from it. I'm sure my listeners learned a lot from it too. I, you know, you, you cover this stuff as well as anybody. Do you have anything coming up at The Athletic that you want people to keep a lookout for? Uh, I probably should have something to sell, but I don't. I'll probably <laughs> write something uh, soon enough, just like with some initial impressions of the yeah. new CBA, um, stuff like that. Playoffs are starting. I don't know. Uh, are you I'm doing really what I'm doing and waiting? Because I want to write about this too, the CBA stuff and like how it impacts the Blazers. But I want to wait until we actually have the term sheet. 
so that I'm not just going off of like what Woj and Shams have reported. Yeah, I mean, me, it's, I'm also trying to just like, you know, you hear some things, you want to nail it down before right. you're writing about it, see if yeah. what you hear is accurate and not, obviously don't write about it. Um, so it's, it's also that. And uh, yeah, just really trying to get a sense of the whole thing. It's, you know, you want to make sure that all the different things that you hear um, and, and just the, all the, even the stuff that's been reported about the CBA, you have a full understanding of how the right. system's going to work, right? Yeah, cool. Well, Mike, thanks a lot for doing this again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Sean.